Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. It's so easy to think about the ring falling into the river. And how everybody should have been looking for it. Why wasn't anybody looking for the ring? And at first glance, that seems like a reasonable suggestion. This is the most powerful item in the world in the Third Age. Something that could spell the doom of all the free people. And nobody was looking for it? For centuries? For millennia? But imagine standing in front of a river. We're not talking a stream here, we're talking a river. A body of water, very quickly flowing, wide, and at least deep enough that a person's body could not be seen from the surface. That person being Isildur, trying to swim away and being shot down with arrows. Without modern day equipment, how would you even go about searching the river? You can see why this was considered highly unlikely that the ring would reappear, that it would ever make its way out of this situation it would be very difficult to actually find it when you really think about it. And that seems like a wise choice to not try to search something that's nearly impossible to find. And today we will be talking about the wise, the white council and their decisions about how they dealt with the shadow in Dol Guldur, and their plans for the ring, or at least some of their plans for the ring, and the rest of their fears. 
This section of the last chapter of the Silmarillion flows directly from the section where it was talking about the wizards, the different wizards, and each of their roles. And we begin with Gandalf, because Gandalf is a very important part of the Third Age. But it very quickly evolves into a discussion about the White Council, the wise, and what they're doing about this shadow on basically their doorstep, right across the river from Lothlorien in Mirkwood. I'm going to be pulling a lot of text from this section and pulling it apart, looking at it in detail, because there are some juicy bits in this. So here, let's, di- let's dig right in. It says here, ever most vigilant was Mithrandir, Gandalf, and he it was that most doubted the darkness in Mirkwood, for though many deemed that it was wrought by the ring wraiths, he feared that it was indeed the first shadow of Sauron returning. And he went to Dol Guldur, and the sorcerer fled from him, and there was a watchful peace for a long while. Now, we're not given a date here, and this is probably one of the first things Mithrandir does that we know about. He's sensing that there's something more going on here. He confronts the shadow, and the shadow flees. It leaves, giving him the impression that he actually accomplished something. But he didn't, other than confirming that this is probably not a ring wraith. The next part says, But at length the shadow returned, and its power increased, and in that time was first made the Council of the Wise, that is called the White Council. So I'm going to pause there. Gandalf's first visit to Dol Guldur was before the founding of the White Council. He was already on to this. He was already suspicious before they all came together. So who was the White Council? And you're probably in your mind thinking about the movies from The Hobbit and how they added a lot of this content in to The Hobbit because some of these events take place in a similar time period. Some of the reasons why Gandalf leaves the party from the Hobbit is in order to go do and act on some of the events that we're going to discuss here. But it's, it's a little bit different than what we see in the movies. And therein were Elrond and Galadriel and Círdan and other Lords of the Eldar. And with them were Mithrandir and Kurunir. In the movies, we see Elrond and Galadriel and Gandalf and Saruman, Mithrandir, and Kurunir. But we also know in here that Círdan was a part of this. He is still an active part. He's still one of the oldest elves in Middle-earth, and he's wise. And other lords of the Eldar. We don't know exactly who those were, but we know that it wasn't just five of them. But do notice that there is nobody included from any of the kingdoms of men This is elves and wizards, and only two of the wizards. They don't even include Radagast, who we know is still out there doing something. And then we learn a little bit more about how this actually functioned. It says, And Kurunir, that was Saruman the White, 
was chosen to be their chief, for he had most studied the devices of Sauron of old. So we are now told a little bit about what Saruman had been doing since he came to Middle-earth. And again, we don't know the years that these are specifically happening, at least in the Silmarillion. It doesn't discuss this. We're, we're given more insight into the idea that Saruman was already and had been studying Sauron very closely for some period of time. It goes on and says, Galadriel indeed had wished that Mithrandir should be the lead of the council, and Saruman begrudged them that, for his pride and desire of mastery was grown great. So we're already getting glimpses of Saruman's fall, corruption, and some of it is assumed to be because he is studying the ways of Sauron. He's being corrupted by seeing the things that Sauron does or did and envies it. It goes on and says, But Mithrandir refused the office, since he would have no ties and no allegiances, save to those who sent him. And we're going to pick this apart piece by piece. He could have been the one leading the council. Imagine how different that might be. But at the same time, he saw a conflict in this, that the council itself was not the ones who sent him. And he would remain 100% true to his original mission. And that was to not be chained down in a situation that would keep him from going out and connecting with the peoples of Middle-earth. That was his strategy, I guess you could say. It says, save to those who sent him, and he would abide in no place nor be subject to any summons. A wizard comes and goes as he pleases. But Saruman now began to study the lore of the rings of power, their making, and their history. And I find this part a little a little curious, if he had already been studying Sauron so much, and the rings of power were such an important part of Sauron's rise to power and control in the Second Age, was he not already studying this part of Sauron's history? I think what is trying to be said here, though, is that it, and it being what the Council is discussing here about the return of Sauron, basically created a focus on the rings being important again and the thought that maybe the one ring is still able to be found. And so Saruman ended up focusing on that more. But we also know that just like Sauron, Saruman was one of the Maiar under Aule, the smith. He wanted to understand how to make and how to control things. They are very similar. And then we get a line that basically says, some time had passed, things got worse. <laughs> it says, now the, now the shadow grew even greater and the hearts of Elrond and Mithrandir darkened. And this line does two things. First, it shows us the passing of time. It shows us that Sauron is getting worse and they can tell. It also lumps Elrond and Mithrandir into the same team, the same way that Galadriel and Mithrandir are on the same team because she was suggesting that he lead the council. So we're starting to see allegiances and sides here. 
Elrond, Mithrandir, together sensing the greater darkness, Galadriel, Mithrandir, together with the suggestion that he lead the group, even though he turns that down. It says, therefore, on a time, Mithrandir at great peril went again to Dol Guldur and the pits of the sorcerer, and he discovered the truth of his fears and escaped. This is the second visit. This is probably centuries later. Gandalf discovers the truth. This is not just some sorcerer. It's not just some random evil spirit. It's not even a ring wraith. This is Sauron himself. And he returns to the council. And it says, and returning to Elrond, he said, true, alas, is our guess. This is not one of the Uliari, the ring wraiths, and as many have long supposed, it is Sauron himself who has taken shape again and now grows apace. Taken shape. He is back into some physical form. And he is gathering again all the rings to his hand. And he seeks ever for news of the one and of the heirs of Isildur if they still live on earth. There are two things at work here. Somehow Gandalf realizes that he is gathering the rings together. Does he overhear something? Does he see some evidence? We don't know, but he pieces that together. And maybe it's just a very good educated guess because the one ring is still out there. But he also understands that the heirs of Isildur are threatened. Aragorn is in danger. And again, we don't know the actual time frame this happens. Was this during Aragorn's father or his grandfather's lifetime? But we know that that line still exists. We know that they know this line still exists and that they know that that's important. Their conversation goes on. Elrond answers, in the hour that Isildur took the ring and would not surrender it, this doom was wrought that Sauron should return. He knew that was a bad choice and that bad things would happen. But here we are. Gandalf responds, yet the one was lost, said Mithrandir. And while it still lies hid, we can master the enemy if we gather our strength and tarry not too long. At this point in the story, Gandalf suggests that while the ring is still lost, nobody knows where it is. And Sauron has not returned to full power. If we strike now, we might be able to stop any of the future terribleness that would come from Sauron's return from happening at all. And this may have been the end of all of this. They summon the White Council again. And it says, Mithrandir urged them to swift deeds, but Kurinir spoke against him and counseled them to wait yet and to watch. For I believe not, said he, that the one will ever be found again in Middle-earth. Into Anduin it fell, and long ago I deem it was rolled to the sea. There it shall lie until the end, when all this world is broken and the deeps are removed. This sounds like it might be reasonable, right? We've seen things just end up in the ocean. A Silmaril ends up in the ocean, gone. Nobody can claim it again. This ring 
dropped in the Anduin, the greatest river in the region, probably was washed back out to sea. It's probably gone. Nobody knows where it is. Kurunir sounds like he's being rational here. But there's something else going on. And we're going to get to it after the mid-break. So don't go anywhere. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. We get to thank some new patrons for joining us. Uh, let's go through the list. Havarda Cheese, <laughs> wonderful name, Mason2390, uh, and SJS Games 14 Welcome to the Patreon. I am so glad that you're here. I hope you are enjoying the ad-free episodes, the bonus episodes, and there's all sorts of other stuff like t-shirts and all sorts of things to get on the Patreon. So if you are interested in joining us like these three, then go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. Check out all the cool stuff you can get. And thank you for the support. Thank you to all 175 of our current active patron members, uh, Patreon members, something like that. Also, I got to shout out our VIP patrons. So let's see how, how quickly I can get through this. AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Aragorn III, Austin C, Azzle Razzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Fanor, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcum, Gavin, Gavin Laugh. Oh, I almost got through it without stuttering. Uh, Gemma, Jesse P, Joachim B, Katie L, Katie S, Capenna, Larry, Lori B, Nick K, Nick L, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Sam B, Sauron for Life, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Tour Son of Four, uh, Tyler M, and that's it. Thank you to all of you and everybody else who supports the show. 
All right, we also have a new review. This one from Australia, from Ria Haitala, I think is maybe how you pronounce that name. Uh, fantastic. Just finished my binge of currently all 84 episodes. Please tell me there's more coming. Yes, there is There is more. Uh, this show's going to keep on going. Uh, there's more, right? <laughs> Tom manages to make the Silmarillion accessible and understandable to someone who desperately wanted to be able to read it but couldn't. If I could rate this more than five stars, I would. I have recommended this podcast to a number of friends who I know are also into The Lord of the Rings, simply because Tom is so good at explaining the history of Middle-earth and making the Silmarillion understandable. Fantastic work, and looking forward to hearing more. Yes, more is coming. Do not fret. Do not worry. And thank you for taking the time to leave a review. Anyone else who leaves a five-star review will be read out in the future. This is on Apple Podcasts. You can also rate the show on Spotify. You can share it with your friends like Rhea did. Or, I don't know, host a listening party. That would be weird. But if you do that, let me know, because that's weird. Um, but thank you. I'm not going to take any more of your time here in the middle of the episode. Let's get back to the rest of what's going on with the White Council. So, Kurunir, Saruman, says, eh, don't worry about the ring. It's never going to be found. Immediately after that, immediately after, Elrond is again talking to Gandalf. And he says, Elrond's, well, it says here, Elrond's heart misgave him. And he said to Mithrandir, nonetheless, I forebode that the one will yet be found. And forebode there means predict, foresee. And that's a word we should probably use more often because that sounds awesome. I forebode that you will come across great wealth in the future. Well, how did you know that? Um, and then war will rise arise again. And in that war, this age will be ended. Indeed, in a second darkness, it will end unless some strange chance deliver us that my eyes cannot see. This is interesting for a few reasons. First of all, he's right. The ring will be found. Secondly, the end of the age looks like it will be in darkness because of the amount of power that Sauron amasses to himself and the threat of all of it against a non-unified Middle-earth. But then he says, unless some strange chance deliver us that my eyes cannot see. What can his eyes not see? But the hobbits, these little people who live unto themselves don't mess with the rest of the world and what's going on such a wonderful theme gandalf responds many are the strange chances of the world and help oft shall come from the hands of the weak when the wise falter gandalf had faith in the common person to do what was right to rise to the occasion all of these great people get together in the White Council. Elrond, Galadriel, Círdan, Gandalf, powerful elves, and Maiar. And yet, when they needed to do the most important thing to save everyone, it came down to the bravery and just the natural strength to do what was right by some hobbits. Again, they could never have predicted this. Thus the wise were troubled, but none 
as yet perceived that Kurunir had turned to dark thoughts and was already a traitor in heart. This is an important line because it means even before the events of The Lord of the Rings, Saruman had turned. He was no longer looking to do what was right for everyone and was only looking to the power and the knowledge that he could acquire for himself. It says he desired that he and no other should find the great ring so that he might wield it himself or get this line right here, order all the world to his will. Too long had he studied the ways of Sauron in hope to defeat him. And now he envied him as a rival rather than hated his works. These two are way more similar than you would otherwise think. And he deemed that the ring, which was Sauron's, would seek for its master as he became manifest once more. But if he were driven out again, then it would lie hid. He had a sense that Sauron coming to power would act like a giant magnet, drawing the ring back out. In not a literal sense, but in a figurative sense, that if it had ended up anywhere where it could find its way back to its master, it would. And it would sense the growing strength. So he plays this, this dangerous game of waiting and letting Sauron grow stronger and advising the council not to strike. The moment they had to end this before it began was lost. And then we find out that there are forces of Sauron scouring the river. They are searching. They are looking. They are actively doing what they can, and they are all over the place. And so Saruman goes back to Orthanc, and he begins studying more about the Rings of Power and the art of their forging. That's a specific quote, how they were made. Remember, he's interested in how to make things. And he probably, probably looks at Sauron with a certain amount of envy that he was able to accomplish so much in the previous age of the world while he and the rest of the Maiar were just hanging out in Valinor. And yet he's doing all of this. And his time hiding away wasn't just about studying things and keeping himself safe. It was about looking as well. He puts together a host of spies. Many of them were birds. We see this in the movies. And he gets Radagast to help him. Radagast lent him his aid, divining not of his treachery, because Radagast didn't know that he was turning evil. He just thought he was helping a friend and deemed that this was but part of the watch upon the enemy. It would make sense. Saruman's like, hey, Radagast, we got to bring some creatures in here. You're connected with all these creatures. We have to watch for what Sauron might be doing. So can you help me out? And Radagast is like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> helps him out. So more time goes on and more evil things are being summoned to the woods of Mirkwood to Dol Guldur, and the council decides to meet again. Therefore, at last, the council was again summoned and the lore of the rings was much debated. But Mithrandir spoke to the council saying, it is not needed that the ring should be found for while it abides on earth, it is not unmade. Still, the power that it holds will live and Sauron will grow and have hope. The fact that the ring still exists at all is a problem. That's what he's saying. 
And then it goes on and says, The might of the elves and the elf friends is less now than of old. Soon he will be too strong for you, even without the great ring. For he rules the nine, and of the seven, he has recovered three. We must strike. Gandalf's words actually change things here. And it might be because Saruman knows this to be true, and he still fears Sauron. It says, To this Curanir now assented, desiring that Sauron should be thrust from Dol Guldur, which was nigh to the river, and should have leisure to search there no longer. Basically, we need to kick him out so he doesn't find the ring before I do, is what he's thinking. Therefore, for the last time, he aided the council, and they put forth their strength, and they assailed Dol Guldur, and drove Sauron from his hold. And Mirkwood, for a brief while, was made wholesome again. We end up with this little piece of light in the midst of all of the dark things that are happening in Mirkwood. But then we're told that this was all part of Sauron's plan. But their stroke was too late, for the Dark Lord had foreseen it, and he had long prepared all his movements. And the Ulairi, his nine servants, had gone before him to make ready for his coming. That line is talking about Mordor. Therefore, his flight was but a feint. Instead of running away, what he's saying is he just sidestepped to a better location. And he soon returned, and ere the wise could prevent him re-entering his kingdom in Mordor, and reared once again the dark towers of Barad-dûr. And in that year, the White Council met for the last time, and Curanir withdrew to Isengard and took counsel with none save himself. What feels like a win was all just part of the plan. And Sauron continues to grow in strength from a location that's much more heavily fortified. Kurunir, Saruman, doesn't find the ring. Sauron doesn't find the ring. The ring is discovered in the river by a hobbit-like creature who we come to know as Gollum. What the wise did not know is that a, a person, a fisherman on the river, years and years before had already found the ring and was now living underneath the mountains in a cave eating raw fish, surviving by himself, unaware of the day that he would be visited by a hobbit and would lose the ring in a riddle game that would decide the fate of the world. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.